Hello, thanks for joining Your Body Advocate podcast. I'm Ruth Cummings, your host, and today I have a really fun interview with Jennifer Weesey. She created her own gluten-free company to make some snacks for her autistic son. They weren't able to find any yummy snacks, and so they created a company to do that. We talk about a lot of things today, like supporting autistic children through school, through college, and beyond, and how to start a company. And one of my favorite parts of this interview is how to really dig deep on labels of food. Please enjoy this interview with Jennifer Weesey. Let's take a deep breath to relax. Ready? All right, here we go. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language, and together, let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. Today, we have Jennifer Weesey. She is the founder and CEO of Be Free Gluten-Free Bakery, and she never saw herself as an entrepreneur, but after her eldest son was diagnosed with autism back in 2008, she found herself on a new path. While searching for gluten-free foods to help her son's overall well-being, she quickly found that gluten-free and tasty did not often go together. That is very true. So she enlisted the help of her mother and they got busy together in the kitchen, recreating their favorite family recipes. Once they created a snack that all four of her boys would enjoy together, she knew she had something big. Now, 12 years later, she's laser focused on bringing delicious snacks full of real ingredients to the world while creating jobs for adults with autism. Well, welcome, Jennifer. How are you today? How Good, are you? Ruth. Thanks for saying. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, um, I uh, I love this idea, and I have actually several of my family who have autism. My cousins, people um, in my in in many circles in my life, and this really caught my eye when we first communicated, and I was like, wow, I really want your message out to my audience. Not only um, your product and the snack, which I can't wait to get. I know it's in the mail and maybe it's there today. I'm, I'm hoping so. I can't wait to taste it. But this, the other also is the idea of creating jobs for the autistic community and, you know, and just your path. I think it's just fascinating. I'd love to hear all about it. So start wherever you'd like, Jennifer, how are you and Aww. how did you get started? And I want to hear about your son, please. Oh, great. Okay. So, well, um, four sons and, um, our oldest is, is on the autism spectrum. And so, um, when he was eight years old, uh, he's 26 now and doing very well. So I'll just start with that. He's doing really thriving. He's doing really very well. Um, but so when he was eight, my husband and I were looking for all the things that we could do to help um, support him. What can we do to, you know, build these support systems around him and um, position him for the best life possible? And where we landed was food. 
Um, my husband and I are really comfortable in the kitchen. And um, so that's where we dug in. But the idea came from an autism conference that we attended in Vancouver back in 2008. And that was one of the things they were talking about was um, functional food and how food can, you know, really be impactful specifically for um, people with autism and just cleaning up their diet, eliminating gluten and any inflammatory trigger. And so that seemed reasonable to us. And so we stopped at Whole Foods on the way home because we knew none of the conventional groceries in our area of the United States, which is Indiana. And we knew there would be no gluten-free sections in the conventional groceries. So we went straight to Whole Foods and we bought everything in their little tiny four foot section that was gluten-free. So excited to try it. And what happened was it all went in the trash. We tasted it. It might've said cookie on the outside of the package, but it tasted like cardboard. And it was filled with all kinds of chemicals and stabilizers that I just really wasn't interested in feeding my family. So we, but we didn't stop there. We felt determined. We felt like it was worth digging into a little deeper. And so we did. And my husband and I are just, we're just problem solvers, you know, like when we love a challenge. And so that's what we did. We took it as a challenge and, and we took it as a, um, you know, something that we could try to find a solution for. So we did, we got busy in the kitchen my mom helped me and we recreated favorite family recipes and it took years. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but it really, really took years to create just the right combinations of different types of flowers in this flower blend that we were making. And um, just little tweaks here and there that some of the little simplest tweaks made the biggest difference. Like a rice flour, we found that we wanted to use rice flour, but we couldn't find the type that wasn't grainy. And so we went to the Asian food market and their rice was really fine powdery. It wasn't grainy at all. And so that's what we used. And so just little things like that, you know, that just really took time and energy and effort to find a solution for that would make a difference. And um, that's kind of, I think that's probably just how we roll, you know, as parents and um, so we did some farmer's markets after, you know, we had some, we had just lots of interest, you know, back in like 2009, um, gluten-free is starting to get popular. You know, some um, celebrities are looking at gluten-free as, you know, it being just kind of like the newest thing in the market. It's kind of fashionable. Um, and then um, there were some, uh, professional athletes that were looking at gluten-free to enhance their athletic performance. So that was starting to be talked about in the media. So, you know, right about now, we've got these great recipes that are developed. We're eating this food. I'm sharing it everywhere we go because you couldn't buy it in the grocery or specialty markets. It just wasn't available. And so it was just, the time was ripe. Uh, for us to just do some testing. We did some farmer's markets, got great confirmation that we had what people wanted. And then in 2010, with the encouragement of my family and my community, I made it a business. And I started just knocking on doors, literally knocking on doors, Whole Foods, Earth Fair. Those were two of my very first accounts. So um, yeah, so that's how I got started. And um, we've just grown every step, um, of the way we, you know, we've grown until we, we like reached, uh, 
um, a hurdle, you know, or a stopping point. And then we figured it out. How do we get past it? How do we keep going on to the next phase? And so we've just done that consistently for the last 12 years. And today we have a team of five people that are the core um, team of Be Free. And um, we have contract manufacturing and we have a facility that uh, we work with our um, people with autism that um, do kind of smaller scale projects uh, for us. And so we're looking at specifically growing that portion of our business. It's what's closest and nearest and dearest to my heart is not only creating good food and helping to educate people on why it's important for them to make good choices like that, but also um, creating jobs for people with autism because we've had a front row seat at seeing the challenges that are involved um, with the hiring process, the training process, and the keeping employment process for people with autism. So we, we want to help be a solution to that massive challenge that's out there in every single community in the United States. We're starting with our own community in Noblesville, Indiana. Wow, that's really, that's really great. There are like two paths here, aren't there? So there's your, I, I love this path of how you found, um, you know, the story of with your mom and then the kitchen and then going door to door, you know, and as an entrepreneur myself, that's like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, it, there's nothing like that when you um, make that work all by yourself from the ground up. So congratulations on that because I have Um, a massage business that I started like that too. And I just hear for all of us that make it because it's not easy. No. um, And the, I'm not a great cook, but my, my husband is. And um, we're really starting to focus on food and how, how, what you buy at the grocery store, if you're not careful, if you don't know what you're looking for, you can really buy things that are not only not good for you, but actually quite bad for you. And it's in just daily things that we're, we're eating, you know, ketchup, um, mm-hmm. just uh, cereal or even meats, different things, anything mm-hmm. packaged. And I'm sure... Uh, what did you, what was the, what was the biggest aha moment for you with packaged food and gluten-free in your, on your path? Um, there are many, many. I mean, I think, you know, back in the early days when I was really digging into label reading um, and really just looking at what were some of the ingredients that you know, brands that I trusted, you know, big food brands that I trusted were putting um, high fructose corn syrup before that was a big thing, you know, but, um, or there were, you know, just tons of sugar and, and wheat and wheat uh, flour where it really wasn't necessary. It was really only used as a cheap filler. You know, if you look at many um, packaged soups, um, they almost, the majority of them have wheat and the only purpose it serves is to, to, for a thickener, but also it's a cheap filler. And so that, you know, that was one, just looking at brands that I really trusted and thought were good quality um, sources of nutrition for my family. When I really started digging into it, I realized that there were a lot of hidden sources of kind of junk, as we like to say, you know, that we're kind of creeping into our food system. So, um, yeah, I don't think there was, for me, there wasn't one, there were just many, it was a whole series of kind of just investigation that I uncovered. 
Mm -hmm. I like that word investigation. I'm being shocked recently about what's as I'm, I always thought I was reading labels. And then mm -hmm. I realized that I, I wasn't really getting down to the, um, I wasn't really investigating what I was actually eating, what I was feeding my family. And I'm really, I'm, I'm trying to investigate that. I like that a lot. But so when you, um, what, what brands now do you trust? Well, I, I trust, um, I trust, well, I, number one, I continue to read the labels. Like if I trusted it last month, I still, I'm going to flip it over and read the label just to make sure. Wow, right. Good. So, um, so I trust any brand that is crystal clear on their ingredient label. I trust any brand that I can read their ingredient label and pronounce everything that's in there. I can identify it. And most often I can trace it right down to the earth. Like it was something that grew from a plant or it grew from the earth or it was, you know, originated from the earth. And those are the brands that, those are the brands that I trust. And those are also the brands that, um, you know, those brands that are out there talking about um, being straightforward with their, you know, with their customer base. Chobani's one of them. You know, they're one of the um, originators of, you know, I'm going to use real whole ingredients in our yogurt because that's the way we used to make it, you know, in my homeland and, you know, things like that. So I love the story element of um, brands that started and they started out of some origination. Maybe it was a family recipe or um, things like that. And um, there's there's a lot of them. And it's an interesting place. It's an interesting space to be in right now is in food. Um, there's really a lot going on. And I really see the the rising stars are the ones that don't have things to hide. They just don't, you know? And, you know, they're, they're willing to put a resource like maybe a phone number or their website on their packaging. So that if you do have questions as a consumer, you can reach out to them and they'll, and they'll answer your questions. Those are the brands that I trust. Well, that's, that's, that's great to know. I hadn't even thought about that, about the, mm -hmm. hey, I'm proud of my product and here's my phone number if you have any questions. Mm -hmm. yep. When you were researching your stuff, did you find things that you couldn't, you couldn't find uh, backing for or you couldn't call people or you just saw brands? When you say that, I mean, I know you know now, but when you were looking, I've never even looked for a phone number. So that, 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 that's an interesting query. Like, I'm like, why would I call them? Were you, yeah. calling, you know, were you calling them to find things out or tell me about that? Yeah. So here's a perfect example. So, um, back in the early days before I had enough buying power to, you know, um, purchase raw ingredients from a supplier, like a big supply house. Um, I was buying them at, at places like um, Costco and um, GFS, Gordon Food Service. So these are the early, early, early days. Um, and um, there were many times when there was an ingredient out there that um, maybe said natural flavoring or something, about, that, that's the biggest one, natural flavoring, um, or it said spices, that's another one. Um, with no other explanation, um, but there was a phone number to call. So I would be standing in the store with the product in my hand, phone to my ear, asking if this product contained gluten. Can you confirm that this product contains gluten or it does not? 
And because I had a, I was labeling my products as gluten-free. So I had to know, we also do testing. We also do third-party testing as well. But before I purchased it, I needed to know if it was a gluten-containing ingredient or not. So I, I, I've just done that for many, many years. If I have a question, I, I call, or if there's a phone number, I call, or if there's an email, I email and ask the question. Now, would they, would they tell you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were, were there any that were, wouldn't answer or wouldn't tell you like, like you would just ring and ring or when they got on the phone, they're like, uh, sorry, we just yes. don't know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There has been, there have, there have been a few. Yeah. So those are, you know, those then kind of go to my list of I'm not so sure that I want to support you as a brand. Right. I right. mean, that's how you vote with your dollars. So, um, those are the ones that I'm like, yep, not going to buy your product regardless of how much I love it. It tastes right. really delicious and it's great in all these other areas, but you know, for that reason, I, I need to know exactly what's in my food. And for that reason, I'm not going to choose yours. So. I love that. Love, love, because, um, yeah, I want, I love voting with your dollar because mm -hmm. yes, we are, we're voting with our dollar, whatever yep. we're supporting with our money. That's who we're voting for. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to vote for the companies that might using bad ingredients or might be using slave labor, you know, mm -hmm. in any type yeah. of that, that's a, that's a whole other, you know, ball game, but um, yes, you're that's right. a, or like, I like the products that they, I'm using, um, oh, I can't remember that when, when it's a trade, a good trade. What's Fair trade. Fair, Fair trade. trade. Thank you. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To support that because that's, I mean, farmers are our backbone. We really have to support some of these people that are that are in the in the background, and we ignore or we we take for granted so easily. Absolutely. And uh, I'd really like to, you know, s showcase them and say, "Hey, we really need to support you." Mm -hmm. Well, okay. let me just change gears a little bit. And um, I love what you've said about, you know, everything about the making your product. But let's talk about your your path with your son, and. Um, just that uh, the challenges with all four of them, but your oldest, you know, um, on the spectrum, how's that been? And what would you, could you give uh, new parents of someone who has autism or is on the spectrum? What would you suggest for them to uh, ease their road at all? Well, I, I would say that to surround yourself with people that are supportive, that are uplifting, that are providing you information that is truthful and positive. Because I, our experience has not always been that. And, um, and then, you know, also to just stand up and, and fight for your child, right? Don't be afraid to stand up and be that advocate, regardless of how old they are. So our son is 26. He still needs me to fight for him. He always will regardless right. of, you know, I mean, regardless of how old he is or, you know, what kind of job he has, he will always need that. He is, um, you know, his, he has lots and lots of amazing skills and abilities. You know, he very, you know, he's able to drive. He's a college graduate. He has some amazing, um, you know, hurdles that he's crossed and overcome despite his challenges and despite his difficulties, despite his diagnosis, he's overcome them. And, um, you know, but there are some, some things that 
in his life that he will always need us an extra layer of support around finances is one of them. He's a, he's a target, you know, for, you know, being taken advantage of. And so he will always need some extra supports because of that. And so um, I would just say that, you know, just, just being that advocate for your child, regardless of how you perceive it might look on the other side. Right. Um, and so, and, and just having a, and a, a support system that's positive, that's empowering, that looks at life for your child with a disability as not what your child can't do, but what your child can do with support. So we had um, we had somebody uh, that was uh, um, actually she gave um, our son his diagnosis. And um, we would visit with her as often as we could. She lived um, two hours away, but she was worth the drive because she was she she was that for us. She was the person that you know would look at our child's life and 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 look at the issues that that he was having having whatever the situation was, usually with school, um, and help us think outside of the box and help us look at. Okay, so he can't, so these things are difficult for him. Here's what his strengths are. And here's what we know we've been able to see his abilities are. What can we do to help produce more of that, right? And let's not look at all the things he can't do because the school's already telling you every single day what he can't do, right? We already know that. But let's look at what he's able to do and what could be possible for him with these supports. So just that kind of thinking, I would encourage any um, parent with either a new diagnosis or a current old diagnosis to really look for those types of thinking, like those thought thinkers in your life um, that are positive and have that kind of a mindset. It changed everything for us. That's excellent. Very good advice. So I have a question about, for you as a mom of someone with autism or on the spectrum. From a massage therapist's point of view, when what, uh, how did you ever see him or not both sides uh, digest emotion within his body? Did you see what type of stress and tension in the body have you seen? Um, he, he definitely has learned how to put a, put on a, a face or a facade uh, to protect himself. So I've seen it in, um, you know, when maybe something makes him sad, he, he knows how to put on a face that hides that. Um, um, so other things that he's learned to overcome are he's really hypersensitive to sounds. And um, even like fluorescent lighting um, was really bothersome to him. Um, so in the early days, you know, when he was in grade school, that was really almost debilitating in, in some classrooms. He just could not function. And, um, but, you know, and, and then uh, fire engines, he could hear a fire engine before my ear could hear it. And, um, but he, those are things that, fire drills, that's another one. Those were kind of his three triggers, fluorescent lighting, fire drills, and fire trucks. 
so, you know, over the years he's learned and, and he's matured, you know, um, his whole body is matured as well too. So, um, he's learned how coping mechanisms for those kind of things. But in the early days, they, they it was just total shutdown, total meltdown or shutdown, um, in those kind of environments. But, um, did I answer your question? I feel like Maybe I, I know. Well, I kind of sprung this on you, you know, because on a different different level of looking at the body, because I look at it. So, like, let's say, you know, he hears the fire truck, and my interest with, you know, maybe meeting him someday is, and not that that's bothering him anymore, but you know, as a as a young man now, but um, how that affects his body. So there's probably a trigger that he stops breathing. You know, there's this whole thing that stops. Does his jaw get tight? Do his hands get tight? That's what I would really be okay. To see. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I didn't answer that the way. Oh no, I I, you intended. I I threw that in there because mm -hmm. if that's true, I think that with um, a lot of people follow patterns through their lives when they respond to things like that, and um, because that's such a trigger for him. Um, there's probably physical patterns that he can recognize now and try to uh, try to calm them and use that as a have some tools to calm those physical tensions. Mm -hmm. And um, so, for example, you said that when he's sad, he has a face that hides that all of us do, you know, humans, mm -hmm. we, do. We, we hide. Mm -hmm. yeah. And but just not just him, but everybody, there's a way to un to melt that later you know and not mm -hmm. stay in that tension to mm -hmm. melt that mask and not have this all tight for the rest of the day and the rest of the week and the rest of the month right yeah. it, it, you know it it builds on itself and it's cumulative and um so i was just wondering if you had noticed anything um like that i'm you know i'm a body advocate i advocate mm -hmm. for our body and so I notice those things way more than other people. Um, like if I'm in an airport, my, my kids tell me to mom, stop, because I'm like, oh, <laughs> look, oh, their shoulders got to hurt. Oh, no, their jaws oh. hurt. Oh, yes. That's right. my, you know, mm -hmm. that's one of my isms, right? And um, mm -hmm. so I was just wondering if there was anything that you noticed about him that might um, be a pattern like that, that other yeah. children might have, do you think? Right, right. Yeah. So clenched, clenched jaw, like, okay. right, that's definitely one. Um, and I, I don't know if I've ever really noticed his hands being clenched before, but I would probably, I would tend to say that would probably go along with it. Yeah, I would imagine those two things for sure. Were you able to, um, was he sensitive to touch in his youth? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. I didn't get my first hug from him until he was four. And, and I know saying that, like, I mean, there are many, many other, you know, moms who never get a hug back from their child, right? And their child is 30 or 40, right? So I, I say that not in a way, you know, but, um, you know, compared to all of our other children, um, it was, there wasn't that for your leg, but I remember exactly the day and the time that I got my very first hug back from him. Yeah. He was four. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And it, um, wow. Do you think that that is in someone who is on the spectrum that 
they could be, um, they could eventually be okay with touch. Yes. And not just hugs, but like, you know, self-massage. Can he massage himself? Can he touch himself or is that also? Yeah, no, he can. Okay. Yeah, he, he's gotten over it. Yeah, he definitely has, he's gotten past that. Do you think so. that that happens like in, at the, what, what year do you think in their lives? I think it's been different for all my cousins. It's been different. So do, do you experience the same thing? Like, you yeah, I, yeah, I think it's probably different for every, I bet it's different for everybody, but he used to be really sensitive to like tags on his clothing and things like that. Um, so I just, I saw that when he entered his 20, like early twenties, things started to change for him. So I mean, that's kind of a long time, but, um, yeah, I would say early twenties. That's the same thing with one of my cousins has his PhD now and he's uh, almost, um, he's a little bit, uh, I think he's 31 mm -hmm. and it, it took him a lot, in, in his opinion, it took him a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I was just so proud of him for, my gosh, you're, you're brilliant and you're going to be able to make it in this world and you're, you're just fine. Yeah. Um, it's just, it just takes a little, you know, for, for the American success uh mm -hmm. it just takes them a little bit longer and um but yeah. i think that's they learn so much along the way and i think they have so much to offer the world and mm -hmm. um and i just keep trying to tell them that and also to notice what they're offering right and um you know and point it out but i guess that's as a mom you're very good at that and do that all the time anyway with him i would imagine does he live close to you he actually is living with us now. So yes, he does. He lives very <laughs> close uh, with us. We have uh, dinner every night together, most nights. Um, but yes, he does. So he um, graduated college uh, in December of 2020. Oh, and uh, after a seven time. year, seven year stretch, but you know, and he was hung up on that for a little while too. But, you know, we just constantly tell him that like, look, it doesn't, what matters is you started and you finished. Yes. What happened in between there doesn't matter. It does not matter. And your future employer will not care how many years it took you to finish. He will, he, you know, he or she will look at the journey, right? You started, you finished. And what did you take away? And what kind of amazing skills can you offer the world? And so, um, yeah, so he's it definitely has, has been rough with COVID um, and all of that, 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 through a big wrench in his plans for an internship that never happened because of COVID. So he exited college with his degree with not much experience. And um, so that's, that's been tricky and that's, that's really been difficult for him. And so, um, you know, we're, we're working through that, but um, it's you know, his passion is sports. Uh, he has a degree in sports marketing and uh, sports journalism. So he just has this love and passion for sports. Football is his favorite, basketball, and then any other sport. You pick it, he's gonna love it. But um, he also has a, a real gift for working with um, kids. Um, middle school kids really are kind of the sweet spot for him. And, um, he uh, he's he's doing some coaching right now. He's coaching. He's on the staff of the high school, our local high school uh, coaching staff for the football team. And uh, he's part of their freshman coaching staff. And he's really, really loving that. And um, he's done some 
announcing. He's got a great voice. Um, he's quick, he's witty. Um, he's really got a great skill for that. So, um, I, you know, announcing, coaching, refereeing, um, and then, you know, anything in the, you know, broadcast, he would be a great um, sideline reporter. Um, you know, he'd be really interested in um, being a color analyst. He loves the facts, the details. He, he knows most about um, most of the uh, professional football players. He has, he'll probably be able, if you picked out one and said, hey, um, Augie, can you tell me um, where this, where number seven, where, where do you grow up? Where do you go to school? He can tell you all of that from just about the majority of uh, NFL players. <laughs> it's, it's really got an amazing mind and, and a memory that's really incredible, so. Wow. Well, I might have some ideas for him, uh, a couple of my clients, you know, to do some stories. We might be able to connect there and uh, figure you know? something out. Um, yeah, that'd be so great. We should, we should talk later. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to change gears one more time and talk about this jo jobs for autistic uh, adults uh -huh. and what where can people look for that or how can people support that or tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, you can go to our website, BeFreeGF.com, and there's a special page there um, that does that that gives more information about um, how exactly we do uh, promote jobs and um, support jobs and create jobs for people with autism. So um, we partner, so we're located, as I mentioned, in Noblesville, Indiana. It's just north of Indianapolis, but we're a little, we're just a little, little town. And, um, but we have some really great resources. We partner with an organization called Janus Developmental Services. And um, together, um, we are able to offer jobs. So we have the, we have the actual jobs that need done and they have the support mechanism to help support the individuals that we hire. So, um, so whether that's, uh, you know, a one-on-one -on -one aid, um, that helps do the training and stays as long as needed, um, or whether that's, you know, helping with the hiring process, um, just all those pieces, we um, join forces with them to be able to create jobs in a meaningful way. That's great. So yeah. I have that link here, so I'll add it to our show notes. Oh, good. You know, and, and you know, on the flip side of that, when, when we first spoke, we talked about some of the missing pieces of what's happening in schools and especially in college that in high school in all the way up through high school k through you know through 12 that there's some support for the autistic child and right. but then once they go to college they there isn't as much support can you can you speak about that a little bit yeah i yeah i would be happy to i feel like it's such a miss um with the university that that you know that we were had experience with um and you know, a, a big part of it is uh, some of the mentality is that, well, you know, if your child um, can make it to a college, if he can get himself here, he can, if he's qualified for college, he can make it to a college campus, he can show up for class, well, then he should have all the other skills to do all the other stuff to be successful in college. And that thinking is just, 
it's not realistic for somebody with, with a disability, you know? And it's like, my husband always uses this term. He's like, it's like telling a blind person to just try harder. Like, come on, like just try harder. That's his analogy, right? So, um, so we feel as parents that regardless of how old your child is, um, an adult child, if they need certain supports, they should be able to have them. And if I, as, as the parent, need to be involved in that and help set up those parameters, whatever they look like, that to me seems like a much more successful pathway. Instead of saying, well, your child is over 18 years old and um, yeah, he's a college student. So he's gonna have to just speak for himself. So you can imagine that a lot of college students, any student, I don't care how old you are, you don't want to stand out. You don't want to, you don't want to even walk in an office that says disability services. That's not very empowering. So, um, you know, I just feel like the parents, there needs to be a way for parents to be involved in their college students' life and success. I truly believe that the graduation, the retention rate, the graduation rate would be much higher if parents were allowed to be involved, if they were empowered to be involved, and it was just a natural kind of thing. That's interesting, Jennifer. What I what just flashed across my mind is um, I my family we mentor just just because uh, it's not like there's a program for it. But a couple of students at our at our college here in town in Albuquerque that um, that don't have any family in town, right? They're okay. they're they're college athletes, and they and they don't have anybody here for them. And but I'm just wondering, what about a campus advocate that is also a student that is the go between between the the college, the student, and the parents, so the parents don't have to come onto campus or don't have to be seen, you know, following, what are they called? The helicopter around yeah. their kid, <laughs> parent, yeah. right? It's not mm-hmm. about that. It's just that the, a lot of children, a lot of young adults, excuse me, a lot of young adults don't have that voice yet, especially right. after the pandemic actually, but yeah, right. they haven't Absolutely. had the chance to talk to people in person, right? Mm-hmm. But right. what do you think about that idea? I mean, cr- trying to, then you could have you could have psychology students or sociology students, they could intern as a mentor or for, mm-hmm. not really a mentor, an advocate. You're just a voice, yeah. you're just listening and repeating. You're yeah. just this person's right-hand man. And uh, I, don't I know. love that. Like that idea? I think that's a wonderful idea. And you know, the, there are some programs like that on certain different college campuses. But the, but the piece that's not included is the parent. The parent mm. is not included in that. And I suppose, I mean, not all parents or not all you know, students would want their parents to be involved, but there are some, like our child would have loved that. Um, that I, I feel like is, is the, could be the missing piece. Maybe not in all students, maybe in some students, that's all they need. They just need somebody alongside them, you know, helping guide them, mentoring them, being their friend. You know, that's all they need. But sometimes I think the parents, you know, there's there's um, just a whole other level um, of accountability 
and just knowledge. Like who knows your child better than you do, right? Most parents know their child better than anybody else on the planet. Um, so I think if done right, that that could be really, really successful. I see, I see your point. And as you're speaking that, I'm also seeing that um, a parent could take that too far. And I can see how the university would. So there's, mm -hmm. there's got to be, a, you know, a good path here, a middle ground yeah. where not yeah. just for uh, not just for people with disabilities. I think a lot of students, um, they need support on a campus and um i think that our graduation levels across the country with everybody would inc would inc would would increase um if we could do that i'd like our society to be more supportive of each other that's definitely one of my goals that's what i'm after i'm advocating for our body to spread love and kindness throughout the world and um and using and noticing how it is in our body like how when we love somebody um, to actually express it or to, mm -hmm. to recognize the power of our smile. And that's across all cultures and um, all disabilities, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that everybody has a disability. In my opinion, you know, none of us are perfect. Right. And, uh, so I think it's an interesting word, but, um, and so, well, in closing, Jennifer, anything else? I mean, I love, I, I could talk to you all day. Um, so, I agree. <laughs> so I have I have more, but I'll I'll talk to you off camera um, about some stuff. But anything else you want to add today for our for our people that are listening today? Well, we've really touched on a lot, and I I you know I think you know what you just said about spreading love and just the power of a smile, and if our world could look at people for people and not for what kind of label has been attached to them. It just would be such a, a, a more loving, kind place to live. And so I think that's it. You know, I share that too, that if we could all just love one another and just detach all the junk, you know, and just love each other as human beings, then the world would be a, a better place. So I guess I would just maybe challenge that, you know, whatever you're dealing with, whatever your label is or isn't, you're a human being, right? And that you deserve love just, just the way you are today. Um, that if we could all just have that mentality and that mindset going forward, it would, you know, it'd be a better place to live. Yes, amen. I totally agree with that. Well, thank you for your time today. I can't wait to get uh, your snacks. I'm going to put it on Instagram as soon as I have that in my mouth and I have some taste, I can't wait. <laughs> Oh, thank and, you. Uh, I hope it's waiting for you today. <laughs> I know it's probably, you know, I'm not the one that checks the mail. So that might be the problem. Oh. My, my, my teenage son. So that's always challenging and, and exciting on a daily basis. I have one more question. I see that you, the name of your business is B as in a B free, be free. So are, tell me anything just real quick though about bees or is that part of that, that name? You know, it, we use honey to sweeten our product. So honey is part of the binder and the sweetener in our warrior mix. Um, be free is a play on words. It's really um, be free to eat delicious gluten-free foods, be liberated from junk food. Um, it's just be, the, the name of the company is, is a play on words. We love 
the nectar that our honeybees make for us so that we can use it in our product. And um, so, yeah, so that's what bee free is. Okay. I, my, my dad is a beekeeper. Ah. And, um, I could go on and on about bees and their importance and they're just incredible social structure. Yes. But also just, I love it that it's bee free because um, honey is really, it's a great sugar, you know, it's a great uh, sweetener. So I just wanted to add that. So there's another one of our 20 things we've talked about. So <laughs> well, let's do this again. <laughs> yeah, let's do this again. I, I, I know I'll get some questions, so I will pass those on to you and we can meet again and do okay. another interview. I so would love it so much. It was okay. so lovely spending day. some time with you. You okay. too. Okay. Thanks, Ruth. Bye. Uh, bye. Thanks for joining us for Your Body Advocate podcast. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Jennifer Weesey today. She has a great company for this gluten-free snacks. And if you have any questions about support for people with autism in your life or anybody that you know, there's some links below and you can always contact me and I can get you in touch with Jennifer for more support. And please try her snacks. They're very yummy. I just got them in the mail. They were great. So I thank you again for being here today, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.